on today's episode of the Blue Bloods. The only college football game left this year is the national championship, and I'm somehow not spiraling yet, so I guess that's good. Uh, I don't know how you're doing about this, Zach. I'm not going to handle this offseason in a healthy way whatsoever. I know that. Um, but on this episode, we have our pick six recap uh, of the New Year's Day games, which aren't the New Year's Six, New Year's six Bowls, which is kind of confusing. Some of them are, some of them aren't, whatever. doesn't make a lot of sense. We'll talk about that. Um, we have first team all decade, and we're going to wrap this one up. We've got a bonus selection for you. So we have three picks here. Uh, and not only that, but we are going to wrap this episode up with uh, a little bit more of kind of the segment we did yesterday uh, where we were talking about players who have declared for the draft and who hasn't declared for the draft. But we're, we're going to center this around Tua's decision. Um, Zach gave us all bad information yesterday, told us it was coming out at 12, the press conference, and then I took a nap and woke up at like 11.45 and he'd already, he's already decided. Press conference was over. Uh, so I'm upset. I know you all are. So uh, let's go ahead and kick this one off. So let's go ahead and kick off today's pick six. Uh, our first game that we're going to do, we're only doing four games. We're only doing the New Year's Day games, which, by the way, only two of these were New Year's Six games. No, three, right? Were three of these New Year's Six games? I don't really know how they work. Yeah, I believe so, because I know the Outback and Citrus Bowl are not New Year's Six Bowls for ah, so, some reason. So there were only two. It was just the Rose and Sugar Bowl that were New Year's Six Bowls. For yeah. What, who knows why? Uh, but anyway – we in uh, our first game in the Outback Bowl, we had Minnesota and Auburn playing. Zach, Go ahead, bro. This take, game. take take it over, bro. You, you can uh, talk you, all about. You don't this. want me to talk about this. Um, no, no, you can talk all about it. That's fine. I, I just feel like I might get us taken off the air if you let me speak. We're not a. If if we can get some explicit next to this episode, I will I will let loose on this game. But until that happens, I don't, I, I I might need to refrain. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about giving you a little bit of artistic freedom on this one. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure, but, um, dude, I don't know. I, I don't really know what to say about this game uh, other than Auburn. I mean, we both had Auburn in this game, right? And, yeah, and I, we both. We, and I even said during our little recap, and I said it to mess with you, obviously. Like, it wasn't – I didn't believe this, but I said that I thought – that this was the game with the highest upset potential. Um, turns out I got one upset right this year, so that's that's kind of cool, I guess. I mean, I, I just – okay, so, like, I know it's, like, Auburn, SEC, all that awesome stuff. But, I mean, I don't know how much of an upset this really was watching this game. Uh, Minnesota 11-2 and two now, man. Auburn falls to 9-4. and four, And Minnesota looked like the better team in every single phase of the game outside of the first probably – uh, maybe quarter, a quarter and a half. I mean, early in the game, Auburn got a early got an interception. I believe first drive went down four plays, six yards, got a field goal. Then they returned the kickoff after Minnesota drives down the scores, and from then on, it was just 
a route from Minnesota. Auburn scored on just a lucky pass on, I believe it was like a third and 15 from uh, Bo Nix. And it, the pocket broke down and the kid found some, somehow, some way found a dude open. But there's nothing you can do. I mean, Minnesota had almost 40 minutes of possession time and outgained Auburn 494 yards to 232 and had 10 more first downs. And there literally was not a single thing Auburn could do to slow this Minnesota team down. And they truly, truly looked like the better team. They really did. And uh, the main thing that I took away from this game, because this was one of them that, I, you know, I sat down and actually watched all of these games. You know, this isn't going to be one of those episodes where Brandon was like, hey, uh, I'm be honest with you, I didn't watch this. No, I watched all four of these games. It was New Year's Day. Uh, I took a little hangover nap, woke up, and watched all the games. But the one thing that I took away from this is that I think P.J. Fleck might be a super villain. That's, I mean, that's my only comment, really. Uh, he comes out with his head shaved. He's got the sunglasses, the pullover. He's a super villain. He's like Dr. Doom out there. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? You know, he has like a knack for – just having his team ready to play. And he threw kind of a shot at Gus Malzahn at the end of this game, which kind of cracked me up, even as an Auburn fan, where, you know, a lot's been made about Gus Malzahn not giving his coordinators a lot of room to breathe, outside of maybe Kevin Steele on the defense. But he said that uh, uh, he said that he likes to sit back and let his coordinators coach and do their job which I think was a huge shot at Gus Malzahn and the way he, he runs Auburn. And I hope Gus Malzahn takes some notes because literally Minnesota looked like a national championship contender against this Auburn defense that throughout the year has been amazing. And they could – I mean, they allowed Tanner Morgan to throw for almost 300. They allowed over 200 yards rushing. And this is a team that held LSU and Def Valley to only 23 points. Yeah, Um Definitely not a great showing out of the defense. Uh, but I don't know. It, it just – this whole game, it didn't seem like Auburn could get it started any kind of way. I mean, Booby Whitlow had had 24 yards total in this game, uh, one touchdown. Uh, Bo Nix didn't look awful. Um, you know, he kind of looked about average like he has all year. So, uh, I guess that's true to form for him. But – really this Auburn team just could not their offense couldn't stay on the field I mean that that that's a killer well yeah I mean the offensive line looks terrible I don't put this on Bo Nix when they gave Bo Nix time he was throwing down the field completing passes and but the they did open up the run game they didn't open up the passing game for Bo Nix and let them set up and you know this Minnesota defensive line you know this front seven including the linebackers they were on Bo Nix all game man I mean, they, I don't, they didn't have a super high amount of sacks. I mean, they only had two, but they were in the quarterback's face repeatedly. Yeah. And, and that's not a recipe for success at all. No, it's not. Um, I, I'm kind of – I'll be honest with you. I'm a little bit scared uh, because I already mentioned the thing about P.J. Fleck being a supervillain. Wait until he gets to a team that's not Minnesota. Wait until he, his contract's up. And he's able to go to another Power 5 team because he's going to take a program and just – he's going to make something out of them. I mean, look what he's done with Minnesota. I mean, well, he's doing it with just not great talent, man. I mean, it's, it's look, at, look, at, look at Tyler Johnson, man. I mean, 12 receptions, over 200 yards, two touchdowns. They, they plucked this kid out of Minneapolis, man. I mean, he was not a highly – 
sought after recruit. And I mean, this kid just had a monster year, had a monster game. I mean, literally, if you looked up, he was running past Auburn secondary. I mean, he burned the uh, smoke Monday, the safety for Auburn, man. I mean, he hit a, he hit like a deep post route and smoke Monday went the wrong way and wide open, man. And I really am just mind blown that this Auburn defense put up a performance like this with Tom to prepare. It's not like this was a short notice game or anything. I mean, you had weeks to prepare for this and this is the performance you give, especially looking at seniors like Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson. I mean, that's not how you want to go out. So, I mean, I was really surprised at the lack of execution and the lack of just energy this Auburn team really brought out. Right. No, I definitely see where you're coming from there. Um, I don't have too many other thoughts on this game. Uh, the first half was very exciting for me. Uh, let's talk about points, points, points. It was 24-17 going into halftime uh, in Minnesota's favor. Then after halftime, each team just scored. I mean, they scored a touchdown each. So Auburn scored in the third quarter. Minnesota had that score, that that huge pass in the fourth quarter uh, that sealed the deal for them. But, I mean, it, I don't know. This this was a great game, too. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like this was a blowout by Minnesota. Um, I think they you know, they dominated uh, time of possession for sure. And, I, you know, if you watch this game, you knew that they were kind of in the driver's seat for a majority of this one. But I, like, I wouldn't say it was a blowout, like – like this score is kind of indicative of what the game was. I don't know, man. Uh, I think it's indicative of how the first half was. Uh, yeah, Minnesota only scored one touchdown in the second half. But if you watch this game, man, they should have won by 1,000. Uh, if you take away a kick return and an interception inside the 30-yard line that Auburn took back to, like, the 10-yard line, I mean, th- this, this game is a totally different game. I mean, you're looking at almost, a, what, a 10-point swing. So, I mean, it really should have been a 10-point difference i mean it really should have been 31 14 minnesota they were they were a thousand percent the better team and the score to me from watching it i even went back and watched it again being a ridiculous football fan uh they should have won by a thousand and i i I think auburn's lucky that they were in this game as late as they were yeah this is zach being very critical of his alma mater right now um not happy with their performance. We get it. I mean, but, but between K-State and Auburn, man, I mean, I got to start. I'm going to transfer. I'm going to let my professor know tomorrow <laughs> that I'm transferring out to a winning school. I'm going have, to Minnesota. You still have basketball. so That's that, <laughs> that's yeah. true. Auburn up to number five in the rankings. High Which, Frank, since 2000. I know we're not a basketball podcast, but can, can we talk about that for a second? They're What's undefeated up? in their, their – I mean, what are they? They're like 15-0 now or 14 now? Uh, thirteen and zero. Thirteen and zero. Still, I mean, there's only. I mean, there's. It's only them, and I think like, San, Diego San Diego State. State. Yeah. So it's only two undefeated teams in the country. You have one playing in the SEC, which SEC basketball isn't like. It's not ACC basketball. Let's not get that twisted. I mean, I, I don't know, but no, it's I pretty mean, good. Last, I mean, that's a lot better than it used to be. Yeah. Well, last time I looked, uh, it was about last week. So I don't know what's changed uh, from last week, but. The SEC hat was the only, was only one team behind the Big Ten in the most teams in the top of fifty like RPI teams. Yeah, well, so like, I'm just saying it's ridiculous. I mean, if you have an undefeated Auburn team, how how are they not higher than five when every number one team just gets beat in basketball? I don't know the, the way it's going. I don't want Auburn to be number one. I'll chill it too until the <laughs> tournament. 
I'm cool with that. Still a number one seed. Just keep me in the top four. But I agree with you. I mean, I don't. I don't think Auburn's played as easy of a schedule as people think. But you know, back to our regularly uh, scheduled programming here. Um, I, I've really just uh, Auburn football let me down this year. Um, I'm hoping Gus Malzahn relinquishes the play calling to uh, Chad Morris, but the odds of that are very small. I'm hoping he can beef up the passing. You know, the the passing game for this Auburn team and. You know, Auburn loses all five starting offensive linemen, which might be a blessing in disguise for how bad this offensive line is. And they have a lot of talented junior college. I believe they have three of the top five junior college offensive linemen coming in. And uh, I think that's going to play a huge role. And I think this Auburn offensive line is going to be much improved next year. And Bo Nix is finally getting a, like a breath because it's it's been a bad year. Right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next bowl game. So if you thought this last game was a nightmare for Zach, let's talk about this one. Uh, we have the <laughs> Citrus Bowl, which Zach just hates in and of itself. Uh, not only that, but we had Michigan playing Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. And Alabama just after the I mean, after the first after the first half when we got in the second half, just total domination by this team. Tw- twenty one nothing, uh Alabama outscored Michigan in the second half. And I mean, I'm not really that upset about this game. I I hate the Citrus Bowl. But uh, I, I think we, we both picked Alabama to win by a lot. I don't think either of us, you know, as long as Michigan has Shea Patterson lining up in uh, the backfield, I knew that they had no chance. And those you cannot throw two interceptions against Alabama and expect to beat them. No, you can't. Uh, I mean, let's talk about what a way this was for Jerry Judy to step away from this Alabama program with six receptions for 204 yards. Being and, passed and he scored, by Mac Jones. I mean, that's the yeah, thing. and scored on the first play Alabama ran. I mean, just 85 yards just burned the secondary. Yeah. So, this, I mean, there was a point in time where I was like, oh, I, I was laughing because, you know, even though I picked Alabama, if they lose, they lose. Like, that's fine with me, whatever. Um, and they were losing in the first half. Like, this first half, I mean, other than that first touchdown they scored, I mean, Alabama went down 13-7 to at one point. Uh, then at halftime, like I said, it was 16-14 uh, Michigan. And so I was like, Michigan might actually have a chance here. Like, really? Michigan's going to be the team to beat Alabama? And I was kind of questioning everything else that I've talked about this year um, because, I, you know, I never counted Alabama out as, like, a fantastic team this year. Uh, I know they sit at 13th right now in the country after two losses. Uh, maybe that's a little bit low, but – you know, like like they've lost to every under not every undefeated. They've lost to every ranked team they played until this point. Um, I was like, maybe they were that bad. So maybe the other teams that we're uh, comparing them to aren't as good as we think they are. And then I saw the second half, and the second half just went and proved me wrong, uh, proved those thoughts wrong anyway. And I mean, like I said, total domination out of this Alabama team. Uh, as soon as the second half started, when they scored the first touchdown in the third quarter, I was like, oh, this game's over. It's done for. Yeah, and I just want to give a shout-out to Mac Jones, man. Another amazing performance stepping in for two attack of Aloha. I mean, 16 for 25, over 300 yards passing, 13.1 average. I mean, that's crazy. And three touchdowns, no turnovers. And, I mean, this kid is looking like the future here. I know – they have Tua's little brother. Everyone's excited about. He sucks. And, but I, I don't think he's as good as Tua. I don't. I really don't think he's as good as Tua. But they do have Bryce Young coming in. But why not redshirt Bryce Young next year? Let Mac Jones lead this team. 
because I think he has a promising future. I mean, I could see Mac Jones being a real NFL quarterback in the future if he gets, continues on his trajectory that he's on right now. I'm not saying he will be. I'm just saying I think he has more potential than, you know, an A.J. McCarron or a Greg McElroy had. No, yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, in my notes, I wrote to a who, and that's obviously I mean, that's a joke. Come on. But Mac Jones did look fantastic in this game. Uh, 327 passing yards. I mean, against a top 15 team in the country. I guess this Michigan team that, you know, at times has shown their weaknesses, but other times have shown, like, really – I mean, they've looked really strong. So, uh, that's imp- uh, 327 yards is impressive regardless of who you play. So, that's that was an awesome performance out of Mac Jones. Um, I don't even want to talk about Talia because he's not the future. If no, anyone thinks I, I agree. The future, then they aren't, they aren't paying attention. It's it's Mac Jones and I and Bryce Young really, but like you said, I agree with you. I think they should rest uh, redshirt Bryce Young, let Mac Jones play. I mean, he's a sophomore. He's got, I mean, he's got two more seasons, or maybe three. Yeah. He redshirted last year, huh? so yeah. so he's he's got three more seasons. I mean, and if he gets beat out by Bryce Young, he gets beat out. But why not try to put this on his shoulders at first anyway? Yeah, it, it's it's narrow-minded to think that, you know, just because you're Tua's little brother means you can just come in and do what he did because that's not going to happen. But, you know, I've also Xavier McKinney for Alabama, the safety, uh, we talked about him declaring for the draft. Um, he had a hell of a game, man. I mean, 10 total tackles. He got a sack as the safety. He had a quarterback, another quarterback hurry. He had a, a tackle for loss. I mean, this kid was all over the field. He was playing out of his mind. And same for Anthony Jennings, another big-time defender for Alabama, another 10 tackles. He had half a sack. I mean, also pressuring the quarterback. I mean, I thought both of these defenders for Alabama just kind of highlighted the talent that this Alabama defense still had, even though overall they didn't play as good as people, you know, would expect them to being a Nick Saban defense. Right. And, I mean, they have a ton of it. I mean, they're plagued by injuries this year, at least their defense is. I guess their offense is too, really, when you think about it. But it's a team played by injuries. Um, they're not going to perform like they have the past couple of years when they're like 100% healthy. That's just – I mean, use your head for a second. No, but Dylan Moses returning next year, man, is going to be, I think, priceless for this Alabama d- defense, especially that the other two linebackers, they, they started this year with true freshmen. That the, the depth of this linebacking core for this Alabama team next year is going to make them extremely, extremely dangerous. And I think Nick Saban is going to have a blast coaching them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, this game, I think I've said what I have to say. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the Rose Bowl. Uh, we have oh, the Rose boy. Bowl. This, listen to me. When this I say, is the best game of this season. <laughs> of the season. I, I think I texted you that as soon as it was over, and I was mad. I was so mad. Why are you mad? The better team won. Okay, yeah. But the thing – I mean, I chose Wisconsin, obviously. I think I've chosen yeah. Wisconsin every time they've played anybody on the show. But um, I have no affiliation with Wisconsin, by the way. I just – Well, no, I, you, no, you picked Ohio State both times. Okay, I mean, yeah, that, that would make sense. That's fair. I have no affiliation with Wisconsin, no matter who thinks that I'm a Wisconsin fan. I'm not. Um, I'm just putting that out there. I've heard that from a few of you, so – uh, this game was played on New Year's Day, obviously, as as were the other games. Um, and I mean, Zach, why don't you take the wheel here? Because this game was just a journey. This game was insane. This this is an amazing game. I mean, this this was the game of the year, in my opinion. One of them, at least. Um, that this game was 
characterized by, I think, two different things. One, turnovers. Four turnovers for Wisconsin compared to only one for Oregon. Three of them were fumbles. That stat defines almost everything. And one of those fumbles was returned for a touchdown, which really changed the whole dynamic of this game. Because before that, before that fumble return, Wisconsin was actually leading this game. Yeah. And in control of it. And so you take that fumble away. This is a whole different game. But And then you look at the stats, man. I mean, neither team was good on third down. But also the other big stat for me is Wisconsin with nine penalties for almost 80 yards. When Oregon only got only had two penalties for a measly 20 yards. I mean, outside of those, outside of the turnovers and the penalties, I, I really think Wisconsin played a better game, uh, you know, than Oregon. They controlled the clock with almost 40 minutes of possession time for Wisconsin. Which is crazy. And they only put up 27 points. And only 20 of those came on offense because they had a kick return. So yeah. they put up 20 points in almost 40 minutes of possessing the ball. Do you, and, and and I'll tell you why I think that it was such a problem. Neither one of these teams can convert on third down, but Wisconsin went five for 17 on third down. That's insane. I mean, I mean to be fair, they went four for five on fourth down, which is outrageous that they had an 80%, <laughs> awesome, right? like an 80% conversion rate on fourth down. Are you see, well, what were you doing, man? They just, they couldn't, they couldn't be stopped. Um, well, until the end of the game, I guess, because they lost. <laughs> Uh, I'll be honest with you. I was hype. I, I was really hype because I guess somewhere uh, lost in my hangover haze, I thought that the third quarter was the fourth quarter. And so Wisconsin was winning 24-21 at the end of the third quarter. And I was like, yes, I, you know, I thought I won. I was very excited. Um, they did not win. Uh, the game continued. They kicked another field goal after that, went up 27-21. And then Justin Herbert decided that he wanted to run the ball, uh, which – I don't know. I mean, he had two rushing touchdowns. No, he had four. He had three rushing touchdowns in this game. Who did? Justin Herbert. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, for some reason, I thought you said Jonathan Taylor. I was like, he got. He had none. I was about to highlight that. No, Justin uh, Herbert had no passing yeah. touchdowns. I mean, he went. He went. He went for 138 yards and in an interception, but he had three rushing touchdowns. He scored. I, I mean, he scored almost all of their touchdowns. He scored 21 of their points, or 20, or well. 18 other points. Man, uh, he is so underrated, though, man. I mean, that 30-yard touchdown run to yeah. win, the, which ended up being the game-winning touchdown, first place, just 30 yards. I mean, this is another thing. Like, people keep underestimating some of these quarterbacks' uh, mobility. You know, you saw this with Trevor Lawrence when he took one for 67 yards. I mean, Justin Herbert is a playmaker. He was not getting it done through the air. He was having a rough day. But he didn't let that deter him, man. I mean, he scored – three touchdowns and one of them was the game winner which was this clutch and he showed his he showed his wheels and I think NFL scouts are drooling over this kid and really and truly yeah Joe Burrow had a great year this kid has some longevity to him and I think he is the second best quarterback in the upcoming draft you know what I'm gonna go ahead and uh be an advocate for Justin Herbert first overall pick just because I don't want Joe Burrow to go to the Bengals (laughs) so Let's get let's okay, get that so like, let's get that website up. Draft draft Justin Herbert. That way, I, I mean, don't know. Let me do something. I I really feel like um, Joe Burrow is going to be. I, I really think Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are going to both be like are both are both going to have really really long productive NFL careers. I really really do. 
And uh, Justin Herbert has a lot more to clean up than Joe Burrow. But people forget Justin Herbert has been doing this for, what, four years? He's been the starter for multiple years here at Oregon. While Joe Burrow put up one good year and one average year. And so I don't know about average. I mean, it was one good year and one excellent year. Yeah, okay, I'll give you excellent. But uh, last year, I mean, it wasn't great. I mean, it wasn't amazing. But I think these two quarterbacks are going to be co- talked about together for a long time in the NFL. But I'll, I do want to highlight Jonathan Taylor, you know, as well, who, you know, not, 21 carries, 94 yards, no touchdowns. Not a great game, but not a terrible game. But under five five yards to carry, though, man, that is so uncharacteristic of Jonathan Taylor and – this is why I picked Oregon. I thought their defensive front could hold Jonathan Taylor down, and they did. I mean, he was averaging, what, six and a half yards per carry or almost seven yards per carry before coming into this game. And I, I really, I was really surprised that, you know, Oregon held him down as well as they did. And, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor gets up over 2,000 yards, but he doesn't make as big of an impact as he needed to. Right. No, I agree with you. Um yeah, I mean, this game was excellent. If you missed this one, I'm sorry. I know I say that a lot, but uh, obviously I think that the uh, – I can't remember what game I was talking about yesterday. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, uh, that was the game to watch. Today, I mean, this game was incredible, but, um, you know, if you missed it, that's on you. That's on you. Yeah, you need to go rewatch it because this that good of a game. And shout-out to Brady Breeze, too, the safety for Oregon, man. 11 tackles, and he was the guy who returned the fumble um, all the way back for a touchdown. I mean, this kid, for a safety to have 11 total tackles, nine of them solo, that's pretty stout, man. That is pretty stout. And this kid had a hell of a game. And I, I believe he won uh, MVP, if I'm not mistaken, two of the Rose Bowl. So. so. So that kid just out of nowhere because, I mean, I've watched Oregon play a few times and I didn't expect that performance from him. So really and truly the way Justin Herbert played was great. But this Breeze kid, man, I mean, I think he deserved MVP over Herbert and I'm glad he got it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's go ahead and move on to our last game of this Pick 6 recap. We had the Sugar Bowl between Georgia and Baylor. And I'll be honest with you, this game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, yeah, uh, but it wasn't even like it wasn't even like super close either. Like it was twenty six fourteen, but all fourteen points from Baylor came in the third quarter. So like it didn't seem it didn't seem very. It, lo- it looked like Baylor's trying to make a comeback because at one point, I mean, it was it was Georgia twenty six to Baylor seven. Yeah, well, I mean, it was nineteen nothing at halftime, man. I I just I was like, oh man, I, Georgia's pissed off from what happened last year. And they should have been because they played a horrible game last year. But, again, stats of the game, man. I'm telling you guys, stop. You cannot have a three-to-nothing turnover ratio. No. Baylor cannot turn the ball over three times and beat beat this Georgia team. And Georgia's playing without over half its team. And they're still smacking Baylor like this. I mean, that shows you how much talent Georgia really has in its reserve reserve tank. Yeah, for sure. this Georgia team, I mean, they just looked like like leaps and bounds better than this Baylor team. And this is a Baylor team that I thought was incredible. Like, I thought they were really good. And I, I seriously thought they had a chance to win the Big 12 championship. And then they come into the Sugar Bowl and kind of like they, they do this. Uh, it wasn't even like they got blown out in time of possession or anything. Uh, it was 32-27 to 27 there in Georgia's favor. Um, I mean, 
I can't even say penalties uh, were, were a big factor in this one because they had very similar penalties, like yardage anyway. Uh, I just I, – I, I don't know what this was. Just Baylor didn't look good. No, def- definitely, definitely not. But uh, still, I mean, it, I, I really liked how Jake Fromm played. I mean, 250 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. And he actually found a running back he could rely on in Zamir White, who stepped in for DeAndre Swift. Um, who didn't who didn't really play? He had one carry for two yards, but that's Samir another White. thing because yeah, <laughs> Georgia had like half of its team sitting out, and not not even like sitting out. Like some of them were suspended, other ones sat out. Can you imagine if this Georgia team was full capacity in this game? It would. It been, probably would have. It probably would have been. It, it would have been really bad. I don't think Baylor would have scored fourteen. I think Georgia probably would have went for 30, 40 points. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I mean, they they had almost half the over half of their offensive line sitting out. Most of their secondary, I mean, that they just they didn't have anyone, and they still managed to get three sacks. And they you know they forced Brewer into a turnover, and they had this like they they played a hell of a game. I was really really impressed with Georgia. I'm impressed with Kirby Smart to get his team motivated after the embarrassment they suffered last year, and. To be fair, uh, Baylor's got to get his quarterback situation figured out. I don't understand why Charlie Brewer's coming in and out and you're letting this uh, Jacob Zeno kid get in there and just throw interceptions. He had a five QBR, bro. <laughs> he should be on the bench until he can learn to throw better. I mean, in nine attempts, he threw an interception and only mustered 23 yards. He had a 2.6-yard average for you know his completions. Right. It's absolutely crazy that Charlie Brewer had 41 attempts and, I mean, they had like 27 minutes of possession. Yeah. Like that's insane, and, and then they, it wasn't like he was the only quarterback either. So yeah. and and well, they couldn't get the run game going, and that's been a theme all year. Their leading rusher had five carries for twenty three yards. As a team, they mustered sixty one yards for a two point two average, and the only rushing touchdown came from Charlie Brewer. It's a one and, yard touchdown. So yeah, it was it, nothing, and you know. I can the one kid I cannot wait to see in his career. I really don't like him very much. I think he's got some issues, but George Pickens is going to be a monster as he develops uh, throughout college and eventually to the NFL. He's almost six four, two hundred pounds. I mean, this kid played an outstanding game. He had twelve catches, one hundred and seventy five yards, and a touchdown. He played one heck of a game. He's got to get some discipline stuff worked out. As no you guys joke. remember, he was the guy who got in a fist fight at the Georgia Tech game and could not play in the first half of the SEC championship. Punching you're playing helmets, for got to love it. Yeah. And so w- when you're when you're playing for an SEC title, you should have the discipline enough not to throw punches with the Georgia Tech team who barely won three games this year. Right. I mean, he's a freshman. He's young. I don't want to give him that excuse, but uh, I. I'm going to hopefully this off season and uh, whatever else, give him time to think about, I mean, or give him time to kind of mature, I guess, because you can't, I mean, you can't cost your team the way that he's been costing his team this season. No, definitely not. And I, I think he'll grow up. I I just, I know we had some high school stuff too, where his grades weren't there. Cause I, I, I know this kid really well. Cause he was at once committed to Auburn 
And there's just a lot of like things similar to Zachary Evans that we've kind of highlighted on the podcast. And I never want to trash any kid or anything like that. But I, I really, I really want this kid to succeed because I think he's going to be one of the better wide receiver prospects we've seen in recent years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I did want to highlight though uh, was, oh, oh, I know what it was. It was it was Jake from um, playing in this game with a lot of Florida's uh, – or not Florida, with a lot of uh, Georgia's teams sitting out this one. I don't know. We're, we'll probably talk about this later uh, with NFL draft decisions because Jake Fromm's one of those who is yet to make his decision. I don't know if this is indicative of that or not, but I, I did want to highlight that real quick while we're on this game. Yeah, I, 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 in the preview I said that I thought he was going to show out, and he, he did. And I, I really have a lot of respect, you know, for this kid. Uh, I think he is going to be really good when he finally decides to, you know, like finally decides to go to the draft. I, he has not, still hasn't decided yet. Right. Um, I think he's coming back. I think he should come back. I think he loves Georgia. But yeah, he deserves major props for what he did. Right. Absolutely. All right. So that's our pick six for this episode. And so we're going to go ahead and move on and we're going to do our first team all decade. Uh, on this episode, we are going to have punt returner, kick returner, and coach. So <laughs> strap in tight. This one's about to be a wild ride. All right, so we're going to go ahead and kick this one off with kick returner. Um, Zach, who was yours? I'll let you go ahead and start this off for us. So I think kick returner is going to be unanimous. Um, I have Rashad Penny from San Diego uh, State. Yeah, I, I do too. That, that had to be him, I mean, right? Yeah, he had over 500 yards of kick return yards every single year. In his last three years, he averaged over 30 yards of return and had at least two kick returns every single year after his freshman year. That's right. absolutely amazing. I mean, to people don't understand how hard it is to do that. I mean, he was a consensus All-American. His senior year was the Mountain West um, – also was the player of the year in the Mountain West for offense, even though that has nothing to do with this. That's, that shows you how good this kid is. I mean, he, let's see. I mean, he also had just ridiculous, ridiculous stats, man. I mean, he led the Mount. He was top five in the Mountain West to kick off return yards every single year. I mean, per return for his career, he is third in the NCAA for kickoff return, kickoff yards uh, per return and leads the Mountain West in it. And for kickoff return touchdowns, he led the Mountain West every single year. And, and he also leads the NCAA in career kickoff returns. And that's also, you know, Mountain West best too. So I think this kid is, should be a unanimous pick for kick, kick return. Yeah. I, I mean, I just couldn't think of anyone else. Uh, to have returned seven kickoffs for touchdowns over his career is absolutely insane. He had three his sophomore season and then two his junior and senior seasons. Uh, I mean, if, if anybody got the chance to watch him, he played between 2014 and 2017 at San Diego State, but he did play at San Diego State. So if you didn't watch him, I kind of get it. Uh, then, I mean, you just knew this guy was electric. I mean, he had nearly 2,500 yards of kickoff returns over his career. That's uh, what else do you want to say other than that's crazy? Because it is. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's what I was saying. I mean, I, there's no other person you could have put here, just in my opinion. I mean, in his freshman year where he still put up over 500 yards of kick returns, he only played in like 10 games, man. I mean, right. and he also didn't even really return punts that often. I mean, it, and 
I mean, that just blows my mind. He has over 30-yard average for kick returns for a career, man. I mean, that's that's Devin Hester-like. And Devin Hester, I think, is one of the greatest return people we've ever seen. And this kid can rival Devin Hester. Absolutely. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on. We also have punt returner. Uh, and so I'll leave this one off. My punt returner, uh, stop me if you've heard this name before, Adoree Jackson. So I had him as my cornerback. And then I realized that when I was trying to give my cornerback defense for, uh, for Adoree Jackson, that I was mainly just listing uh, punt return stats. So um, he was really only a punt returner for two seasons. Uh, well, three seasons technically, but his, uh, his freshman year, he only returned two punts. So let's, let's just highlight his uh, sophomore and junior seasons because he didn't play his senior season. Over those two seasons, he had 44 uh, he had 44 punt returns that went for 566 yards. I mean, that's an average of – I mean, that's an average of over 13 yards of punt return. He had four punt return touchdowns. Uh, he ended up winning the Johnny Rogers Award in 2016, which is uh, the reward – it's the award for the best – I think it's the best return specialist or most outstanding return specialist in college football. Um Kickoff return touchdowns over his career. He leads the Pac-12. Um, uh, he uh, he was also a kick returner. He wasn't as good as Rashad uh, Penny, so I wasn't going to mention him. But, I mean, he leads the Pac-12 in punt return touchdowns. Uh, over his career, he is 25th in the NCAA on punt return touchdowns, which not outstanding but not terrible by any means. Um, <laughs> he just – if you watch this guy, every single time he caught a punt, it was just electric. So I had to go with him. This is more of a gut feeling than a stats thing. So, uh, Zach, who uh, did you have? I'm about to embarrass you, bro, because my, my guy played in the same conference and is the leading Pac-12 uh, punt returner. There you go. Okay. Um, I got Dante Pettis from Washington. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he didn't return as many punts as um, Adoree Jackson. I mean, the most punts he returned in one year was 28 for his freshman year and he had in his senior year was his best year where he he averaged over 20 yards of return. He averaged over 15 another year. Um, but he had nine total punt returns in his career, which actually is the NCAA record for punch punt returns in a year. Also leads to pack 12. He was top two in the NCAA for three of his four years. And his other year, he was top 10. He led the Pac-12 three out of the four years in punt return touchdowns. In yards, he led the Pac-12 two out of his three years, two out of his four years, and was second those other two years. He also leads the Pac-12 in punt return yards. Uh, he also leads the Pac-12 in, in punt return yards per return. Uh, I mean, and he also he won the Johnny Rogers in 17 and also was a consensus All-American. So, yeah. so I was mean, Dory Jackson. I just didn't want to brag about that, so – this is all American. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, both of our guys played in the Pac-12. My guy was a little bit better, it seems like. Yeah, but let's go with what you guys usually do. Let's go with name recognition here. And I think Adoree Jackson is just a little bit more of that. So. That's true. He he got like one vote for cornerback. So, <laughs> <laughs> he, they did not like him at cornerback. But, yeah, I think both of these guys are deserving, whichever one gets the award. Uh, of being, I guess, on the Blue Bloods All American. I don't know how I don't, they, they should add that to the stats. Um, yeah, that's very prestigious. So go ahead and add it. Yeah. Do what we need to do. I don't know who we need to there talk to. 
whose door we need to knock down next. But uh, so for our final, and I mean, this is the last one we're doing for Blue Bloods All-American team or All-Decade team. We have head coach, and this one, in my opinion, wasn't even up for debate. And even if it was yeah. up for debate, we know what you guys would do because the people who listen to this podcast are may not be Alabama fans. You may be, but the people who vote on our polls are definitely Alabama fans. And so who else would we pick but Nick Saban? It wouldn't even matter if we chose somebody else. So well, I chose Nick Saban. Who would you choose, Zach? I also chose, uh, I chose Nick Saban. Uh, I mean – yeah, no doubt, and I don't understand how you could choose anyone else. I mean, the only other people that might be in the conversation are um, Urban Meyer or Davo Sweeney. Which, come on. <laughs> I mean, uh, exactly. Urban Meyer retired like twice this decade, so that's you, know, that's, you can't give it to him, I don't think. Um, no, definitely Davo, not. Davo won two national championships, but come on. When you think yeah. about all-time coaches, especially in this decade, Nick, I mean, Nick Saban is a statue of himself at the school he's currently coaching at. <laughs> what? That, that, that shows you guys how impressive he is. And I, I don't I, – like, like Brandon said, this really and truly is not a debate. As, as great as Davo and Urban Meyer was, Nick Saban is on a different level. And if I had to vote right now, I would vote Nick Saban the greatest coach in college football history. So – that should just tell you guys exactly how I feel about it. So uh, I'm really glad this was unanimous because, like like Brandon said, this was not going to really be a discussion, and we know exactly how the vote would go. Yeah. You know what I think would be funny is if we um, if we still put this one to a vote, but then we put, like, a, like a nobody coach as the other coach and just, like, see if he gets any votes. So we we might do that. Uh, that's still up in the air. Zach didn't sound too thrilled about it, but we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna figure out a way for Team Brandon. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and move on to our final segment of the day. Uh, we are going to cover. You know, this segment's gonna be mostly about Tua's decision uh, today that came out. His press conference was at 11. Um, we're gonna cover that. We're gonna talk about a few other players who either decide to stay or declare for the draft, or maybe they're undecided. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and kick this one off with Tua's decision. Um, he's going to the NFL and. Good for him because we would have given him hell if he didn't. Yeah, it would have been the dumbest decision ever uh, for Tua to come back. And people, some people are mad that he's not coming back. They're like, that's a dumb decision. Like, why? Why is that a dumb decision? That's what I'm saying. You know, he's going to get drafted probably. I mean, he's going to get drafted in the top 10. That's not even up for debate. Easily. Probably top five. So, should be top five. Yeah, where are the Dolphins at? He's getting drafted by the Dolphins. Fourth, they they pick fourth. Yeah, so he's getting drafted in the top four. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, it's just I don't know. I, I think I think I mean I don't I don't think it's a bad decision to draft him. Uh, I think you need to get him, and I think that you need to sit him on the bench for a year and let him or, let or him two. kind of feel up. <laughs> yeah, or maybe two. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, um, what I mean, I know Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick's. Uh, his his contract has to be up. I mean, he only signs one year deals. Uh, go, you know what? You know would be actually fun is if they put Josh Rosen in and they let him just stink it up for another year or two. Uh, get a couple more, get a couple more weapons on that team, and then you know, two has got some wide receivers to pass to. Maybe he's got some O linemen who can actually not get him killed. Yeah, we, we would hope so. But the Dolphins' offensive line was really, really bad this year. Um, yeah, you know, but. 
you know, outside of that, I, I really have just, I'm, I'm actually really happy he is going, uh, not even just as an Auburn fan, but man, can you imagine that quarterback room with Tua, his brother, Mac Jones, and Bryce Young? No, I mean, you know, I mean, be honest with you, no, oh, I could not oh, imagine that. Oh, and you have Bear Bryant's uh, great-grandson that is also a quarterback. <laughs> People forget about him. Well, that's because he's garbage, but um, he just got in because of his name. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, how could you not get him on your team if you're Alabama? Yeah, so, okay, so regardless of draft position, you know, teams can trade up and everything. What is an NFL – like, what NFL team do you think is his best fit, truly? Like, if you – if it was, like, a dream scenario, like, where would you want to see Tua go? Tua – oh, you're putting me on the spot. Uh, I want to hear where you would put him before I before I do this. I would say the Colts. Um, and I, oh, let me explain. I'm going to disagree with you after this, but go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll make my case so, happen. The Colts have the best offensive line in football. That they, they do, that is a pro football focused fact. They have one of the best offensive lines pro in college football. football. Focus fact. If, if, if it's not number one, it's been top five, top three. It's a really, really good offensive line. I mean, we have people like Quentin Nelson, who was on our all decade team, uh, wink, wink, on that offensive line. Uh, you know, there's a lot of studs on the offensive line. You have, you would give them T.Y. Hilton as a huge target. The Colts are due to draft another, some wide receivers this year, probably target some in free agency. I th- and, you know, uh, Marlon Mack has been a stud at running back this year. I mean, he roasted me on fantasy this year when, when I played when I played him. It was the game for the Chiefs. He had like 200 yards on, just murdered me. Um, I think this has some weapons. I like their coaching situation for the Colts. I like the management. You you have a good offensive line. You play in a dome. You avoid the weather. Um, you know, I, I think it's a relatively easier division. Um, you know, there, there's, there are some tough defensive lines in there, but with a good offensive line, I think you'll be okay. And I think you could start uh, Jacoby Brissett for one more year and give Tua some time to learn and sit back. And what no one's going to be mad when you let J- Jacoby Brissett go after one year. So I think the Colts are the perfect scenario for Tua. Okay. Um, I'm going to disagree with that because that's where Tom Brady's going to be next year. So, uh, well, no, we'll- not true. Not true. He's he he's going to the Chargers for a fact. <laughs> for a fact. You've got your sources? Yeah, I got plenty of sources. I can't reveal them because they'll they'll uh, chop they'll, they'll chop my fingers off, but uh-huh. <laughs> Zach, we're we're involved with uh some pretty sketchy company. Um Yeah, apparently. Anyway. Uh you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go ahead and put him on the Bengals right now because I don't want Joe Burrow to go to the Bengals. So that's you're so ridiculous. That's not even a good. <laughs> no, it's not a good fit. The Cincinnati is a good fit for nobody. Zach, who is Cincinnati a good fit for? You know what? I, I would like to see Baker Mayfield go there, so we can stop talking about him as much. <laughs> He's on every single commercial that that comes on during that's NFL ever Sunday, been made. So. Yeah. So now they've got him like calling the owner of of whatever stadium the Browns play in, talking about toilets. So. Uh, you know, it, it's a little sad that he's not in the playoffs and they're still airing these. So, Dude, I mean, I mean apparently he recorded like 25 of them this offseason, so they're not even done releasing them yet. Dude, it's, it, it, but it's, it makes me so sad every single time because I don't hate Baker Mayfield. And it just like when he's, when he's getting picked off because he doesn't have any time in the backfield because his O-line sucks, um, and he's getting picked off and then it goes to a commercial with him just smiling, doing whatever he's doing, it's, it's, it's sad. You know, I'll say that. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say I cried over it, but I may have. 
Um, anyway, no, I, I don't really know where I'd put two at. I mean, the Dolphins might be a good I – like, I like what Brian Flores is doing. Um, I like what he's doing with that team. We're not an NFL podcast. So we're not going to harp on this too much. But I like what he's doing. I like the rebuild. <laughs> I like having him in there. Uh, but I, I definitely I – like, I would like to see him on the bench for a year or two. So, so do you give him a top 10 grade? Like if you were, if you were a Mel Kuyper right now, regardless uh, of what you nope, know, nope, 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 what, nope. What, what grade would you give him? Like where do you think Tua should go? Uh, definitely top 15. I think he drops out of the top 15, out of the top 10 for me. Um, somewhere around maybe, maybe like 11 or 12. Yeah. Because see, I mean, if I'm a t- he's not, I mean, he's in my opinion, he's, he's not even a top two quarterback. So there's Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, obviously. Uh, I think he ranks, I think he ranks ahead of Jacob Eason. Um, he definitely ranks ahead of Jordan Love. Oh, for sure. Um, but we're going to see like a team like the Bears swoop in and, and take Jordan Love because Mitchell Trubisky didn't uh, work out for him. So you know, the Bears it. are also an option for Tom Brady. Yeah, that would be crazy. Let's let's get uh, let's get two on the Bears. I don't know I'm why. For it. I'm not. Well, I'm not. I don't know why, but uh, I'd like to see him there. That's a long way from Hawaii, bro. That's a that's a change right so there. So is Miami? What? Well, it's still not really. Miami's warm. They got palm trees. They got the beach. They got hurricanes. Okay. Like, uh, I mean, Chicago, you have wind and like a whole people. Like, I, I don't cold. know. Very, very cold. I bet I was in Chicago a few months ago. I'm not impressed. You know, the people I know from Chicago also not impressed. Um, you know, I, I don't like it. But you know, if I had to give them a grade, so if I was a team. Here's where I'm coming from before, you know, everyone yells at me because I'm an Auburn alum and, you know, they try to, you know, poison my trees in my backyard. Um, I'm not taking them in the first round. You know what I'm doing? I'm I'm tanking. I'm not even taking Joe Burrow. Okay. We are tanking, hashtag tanking for Trevor 2021. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. I'm really not mad at that. Dude. I'm telling you, Joe Joe Burrow is great. I love Joe Burrow. He's probably my favorite college player. I honestly, even as an Auburn fan, I really like Tua. I think he's a great kid. I like Jalen Hurts. I like Justin Herbert a lot. I mean, I really like Justin Herbert. If I had to pick a quarterback this year, I'd probably take Herbert. But yeah. Trevor Lawrence is going to be better than all of them by leaps and bounds. So if I'm a team in the top five, ten, I am tanking for Trevor 2021 and get it started. Um, uh, and you know, and really and truly, you could tank for Fields 2021. I think Justin Fields is going to be really good. Right, right. And well, so, that's what I, that's actually what I think the Bengals should do. I think they should uh, pass on Joe Burrow, uh, get another O lineman <laughs> there, get someone to protect their future quarterback. So I'm a laugh when he goes to the Redskins because you jinx the Bengals, and now he's going to go play in Washington D.C. Uh, and get you know no destroyed because they're pretty set on having Dwayne Haskins which doesn't make any sense but that's what they want to do I guess uh he was so he was taken so high I wish we had a podcast at Dan that point Snyder, Dan Snyder Dan he's just a bad owner We're, whenever we get our NFL podcast out we'll let you guys know uh apparently we have a lot of opinions that we didn't know we had but here we are anyway let's go ahead and talk about some other guys who have uh have uh, declared or not or decided to come back I want to talk about Jake Fromm a little bit. So Jake Fromm is still holding out. No decision from him. Um, some of the articles I was reading were saying that maybe he was waiting on Tua's decision before he made his decision. Uh, I think that's a smart idea because, I mean, if he did declare for the draft, where are you taking Jake Fromm this year? I would say third round. Yeah. 
third. I mean, he's not going to be a first round pick. I don't think he's going to be a first round pick next year unless he just has another breakout season. But well, I think why would he be a first round pick next year? But I think the draft draft class next year for quarterbacks, unless Lawrence and Fields make the just bold decision to stay. Uh, who in the hell is taking Jake Fromm over Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? Well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it was going to take him over uh, over Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, but I, he just, could, I mean, he could very well be the number three quarterback in that draft. Okay, maybe, yeah, maybe. He's not going to be the I number mean, three quarterback in this draft if he that's declares. True. That's true. So, I'll give him that. I mean, every little bit counts. I mean, have you seen the differences in, in the signing bonuses? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just – I have. It's crazy. I so. Just, I just don't think he's going to be a first-round talent anyway. I think he's going to have a wonderful NFL career. I do, too. I really do. If Russ, Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott were fourth-round picks, Tom Brady was the sixth, like, he shouldn't be – he's not a first-round talent right now, man. He doesn't have that it factor. He does not jump off the page to me. Well, Trevor I think, Lawrence – I think last year he did, though. That was the thing I don't me. think he did. I thought he, he, just, I thought he was fantastic last year. This year he kind of sloughed off a little bit. He wasn't as great, um, and I think that hurts his draft stock. So I think that it would be the right decision to come back. I mean, we're both arguing the same point, but we're arguing different. Like different. He just reminds he just reminds me of Kirk Cousins right now, man. Yeah, but someone wanted to sign Kirk Cousins for what was like eighty mil. That's true, but guess what? The Saints could not stop Kirk Cousins. So I guess that you know what? I'll I'll let you know when we have an NFL podcast because I don't want to talk about (laughs) that. Yeah, but another person that hasn't declared either is Najee Harris. Still no word on if Najee is coming back to Alabama or not. And I'm just here to say, if he comes back, oh, God. This, oh, yeah. is, this is going to be dangerous. Right. It's, I uh, mean, this kid looks just as good as Derrick Henry, and I think he's going to be a sleeper for the Heisman if he comes back. And especially coming back with, uh, with Leatherwood coming back. Whew. Uh-oh. Not going to be great for the rest of the SEC, honestly, especially with a healthy Alabama team. Or hope, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, a healthy Alabama team next year. Um, I don't know. That's that's definitely. Uh, I think that he will probably end up staying though, uh, because I think he leaves. Honestly, do you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. I'd like to see him stay because I think that his draft stock could rise a little bit if he stayed. Um, because you're not taking him over J.K. Dobbins. No, and you're not taking or DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor. You're not taking over those guys. Jonathan Taylor really isn't even projected to go super high. Uh, yeah, but I still don't think that Najee Harris would go above him. I don't know, I don't know. if Derrick Henry keeps doing what he's doing. They, someone might take a chance. Yeah, but Derrick Henry is like one out of. I mean, there what in in the NFL right now? How many how many running backs are like like. Very good talent out of Alabama. We've got Derrick Henry, and we've got uh, Mark Ingram. Uh, yeah, Mark Ingram. He, he's he's he had a decent year this year. TJ Yeldon has had a pretty good year. Yeah, but he's more of like a receiving back. He's not and even running the ball. Kenyon Drake, Drake once he got traded, two games. He had a good two games. Let's Bro, he he, he finally left the Dolphins, and he's like exploded. And Josh Jacobs had a fantastic season. Yes, he's going to so, win Rookie of the Year. So, you know, you're making my point for me. I think know? I am. I think, I think that I was coming into this one thinking I was going to win that point, and I think I just – that's a point against me. So, that's – That me. is an L for beat up. Uh, yeah. Rack that up, guys. Hey, I mean, we're not first taker undisputed, but I've racked up Ws over here against Brandon. Okay. All right. So, um, I mean, who, who else do we have? We have uh, – Yeah. Uh, dude, I mean – 
literally I have a few people who we didn't highlight yesterday that we could have, and a few people that announced today. Um, you were really high on this guy. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why he's declaring. Maybe because Miami is trash. But DJ Dallas is going to the NFL. That was okay. I'll tell you why I was really high on this guy. It's because he looked like the best play. I think it was because uh, I don't even want to. I don't even want to admit why I think he was. Um, so I am. Re- I am retired from gambling. I need everybody to know that. The first game of the season, I went to the sports book and I watched this game uh, live and. You know, uh, the, if, if you were a smart guy, you know that I would have taken Florida at the spread. I'm not saying whether I did or not. That's not definitive. Um, I, I will say that I was at the sports book. And so every single time that DJ Dallas broke off any kind of run, I was like, man, this guy's good. And he's what's going to kill me uh, if I were to hypothetically bet, which who knows if I did. Um, and so that's why I was high on him. And I can't believe he declared. He, I mean, he's a junior. Yeah. That's nuts. I can't believe he declared. Maybe he just wants to get He should have came back. Yeah, but he could maybe, have maybe a transfer portal. Yeah, hey, there we go. Say, like, why are you gonna just? I don't. I don't see this kid getting drafted before the sixth, seventh round. No, I don't either. If that, that's if he gets drafted. Yeah, another running back that declared. Uh, I think this kid is gonna be really good. Uh, Tony Jones Jr. for Notre Dame uh, declared yeah. for the NFL. That's that's uh, that's a good decision. Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about him a few times. He had a pretty big year toward the end of the year. He's probably gonna try to ride the momentum. And with Ian Book coming back, you know that offense is going to become pass-heavy. So why not get out now? Try to, you know, ride the wave of your big end of the year into the NFL. But I see him as a mid-round pick at best, maybe third to fifth. Yeah. No, I, I could definitely see that. Um, I just I, – I, I think he's – I mean, huge. I think he's good, but I don't think that he really – like I said, he's not, he's not a J.K. Dobbins this year. No, I think he'll be fine, though. I mean, I, he can maybe carve out, like, a, a role somewhere if he falls into the right situation. Yeah, I mean, if he falls Which, into, like, a situation where it's, like, a two-back system. Um, I, I or the like Seahawks, who has, like, a Marshawn Lynch on, like, you know, in a wheelchair and, uh, you know, no one else. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's <laughs> – yeah, that's – yeah, I can definitely see him excelling in a, in a program like that. Yeah, and to keep on the running back train, man, uh, Eno Benjamin for Arizona State going to the NFL. I'm not sure if I like this decision very much. You know, Arizona State, you know, I think this is a big loss for Arizona State, uh, you know, as well with this, with the offensive struggles of Jaden Daniels. This Herm Edwards team needed someone to rely on running the ball. I, I maybe understand this decision, but I think he could have benefited for another year. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think another year would have been good for him. Um, and so now to some bigger names, you know, some people that you guys might know, you know, that was kind of deep down and you had to like really follow the podcast to know those names. Um, Henry Ruggs for Alabama. He is, he followed to it's the NFL officially. So yep, that's another big loss. Good pick. Uh, good decision by this guy. Um, I, I like it. You know, obviously he's not going to be like, he's not going to be top five talent like Jared Judy is, you know, he wasn't the first best. round. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this Alabama receiving core was insane. Uh, they were one of the best in college football this year. Um, I, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't have gone. I mean, all he would have, all he would have stood, uh, all he could stand to gain next year was hoping that uh, whoever their quarterback is would feed him the ball better than Tua did for the majority of this year. Which probably yeah. not, not a, not a great chance of that. <laughs> definitely not. But. 
to, um, you know, I like to keep with these positions, man. I like this. Uh, Nico Collins from Michigan. Uh, they're they're one of their big receivers. He is deciding to stay at Michigan for yeah. a senior year. I think this is huge. I mean, you know, Shea Patterson is finally gone. Um, and Which is why he stayed, I think. Yep. I was about to say the same thing. He probably finally understands he might have a quarterback that can get him the ball. Which is crazy because he had an outstanding year this year. So if he yeah. gets a quarterback that can get him the ball, especially, I mean, he would have been up there with this, with this wide receiving core. Uh, I think he wouldn't have been, you know, he wouldn't have been like one of the top five receivers probably in this draft class. But Second he, or third round though. Yeah, definitely, definitely a pretty high round. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you have to lose by staying another year? I guess, I mean, I guess you risk injury, but you're going to have a quarterback who's not Shea Patterson, which is always good. That priceless, priceless guy. Um, another wide receiver coming back to school. I think this is huge. Uh, Demonte Coxie for Memphis. Uh, we highlighted him a few times. I mean, this kid's explosive. This kid could probably go in the mid-rounds this year, but he's going to stay one more year at Memphis. New head coach. But this system breeds explosive playmakers, and I think he can do nothing but benefit from staying one more year at Memphis. Yeah, I mean, he's got everything. I mean, he doesn't really stand to lose a lot. I know he had a great year this year, but we're – I mean, if you turn on ESPN, were you hearing his name being called like a lot? No, no you weren't. So he doesn't really have a lot to lose by staying. Um, I think that all he's got to do is gain uh, in this move. He's got a lot to prove next season, and I hope he does it. Yeah, and then the last wide receiver that we'll highlight before moving on to some defensive players – uh, we have Quintez Cephas for Wisconsin. Uh, he is going to the NFL. And I'm torn because I think if he stayed one more year, he might be a first-round talent. But I think he'll still be second round this year. And go ahead and get your money, man. Yeah, no, I, I like this move. I mean, this is a guy that we didn't really highlight a whole lot this year. You know, we talked about Wisconsin a lot. But when we were talking about Wisconsin, we were mainly talking about Graham Mertz versus uh, Cohen. Or we were talking about Jonathan Taylor or, or their offensive line. So we didn't really talk about Quintus Cephas a whole lot, um, you know, until Asher Lowe came on uh, like a couple weeks ago. I think it was like two weeks ago. Maybe it was like a week ago. I don't know. We put out these podcasts so often now. Um, but whenever we had Asher Lowe on, he wanted to highlight Quintus Cephas, uh, which fantastic receiver for, for this Badger team. Uh, very reliable target for Cohen this year. Uh, I think it's a great choice to go ahead and declare. A thousand percent. And I mean, I think a team maybe late first round could take a jump on him. Uh, you know, I think Ruggs and um, Judy are going to come off the board. I, I think this kid's going to be right there behind them in this class. I think he, he, he might get snatched up in the first round. If not, second round, definitely this kid is going. Right. Um, and I think, you know, if he performs well in the NFL combine, he could definitely work his way up into the first round. Absolutely a secure spot up there. There's a lot of teams late in the first round that are going to need a need a wide receiver. I'm looking at you, Patriots. Um, sure. You know, just the last two players we're going to cover have Richard LeCount, a safety for Georgia. He is coming back to Georgia for one more year, and with the mass exodus that we've seen from this Bulldogs team, I think Kirby Smart is celebrating right now in his office. Oh, he has to be. I mean, they're losing. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating. They're losing half of their team. <laughs> yeah, they're losing half of their starters. So, I mean, you have to hope Jake Fromm comes back. I think he will. Um, and, and having this guy back is absolutely – I mean, it's huge to this program. I mean, they've got a lot of good recruits coming in. Uh, so, next year should be a big year for Georgia. 
Yeah, but I mean, even with all the you know five stars they have coming in, to have someone on the back end with experience that you can count on to help lead this defense. I mean, I as Kirby Smart being a defensive minded coach as he is, I mean, I, I think this was someone he put in some time in to see if he could like really convince this kid to come back. And I, I think Georgia's going to have a lot of talent next year. I mean, they're losing a lot, but as combined with people like this coming back and with all the five stars they have, I, they're going to be sneaky good. Right. Um, and the last guy, you know, he's moving on to break some more faces in the NFL. We have Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi <laughs> State. The linebacker had a hell of a bowl game. He has gone to the NFL. And, you know, I'm going to still – once we get done talking about him, I'm going to use this as a transition into the Mississippi State coaching, uh, you know, bonanza they got going on over there. But I think this is a good decision for Willie Gay because the way this Mississippi State program is going, it's time to get out now, especially coming off a huge bowl game that he had. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I think coming off this bowl game, uh, it was a good time for him to go ahead and declare. But I think maybe he shouldn't have broken that guy's face. Maybe he shouldn't have hit Garrett Schrader so hard right before this because obviously there's some issues there. Um, And especially with the way that the NFL has handled domestic violence, over the past couple of years, which is a lot better than it used to. Thank God, because it couldn't have gotten much worse. Um, teams might be afraid to draft him. That's just, I mean, that's just me being blunt. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I'm kind of neutral about this because while I do think that he had an amazing season and normally this would be the best time to go ahead and declare for the draft, you can't, I mean, this isn't the first time that, that this, is, this, kind of, this sort of thing has happened for him either. I mean, yeah. he's been in trouble for for fighting in within his own team before. So, I don't know. That, that's something that is just – it's a huge red flag to me if I'm, an, if I'm a GM or if I'm a coach, and I don't know if I'd take this guy. I, don't I, I would pay – I would pay a million dollars to be able to be a fly on the wall in his combine interviews. Oh, dude, no joke. I hope he's one of those players that go, that comes out and tells everybody what kind of questions he was asked. I need to hear it. They're going to be like, well, if I was a face, would you break me? Like, just, <laughs> if, stoop- if Tom Brady gets in your face and yells, you break in his face, the answer you, better be no. If you had to compare yourself to one of these players, which one are you more like, uh, O.J. Simpson or Ray Rice? Adrian Peterson, too. Which one? Oh, God. Man. See, he'd, it's just, he'd be like, I like to, like, I like to uh, take a little bit from all three. They're all legends in my, in my field. <laughs> yeah, no <joke. laughs> But, you know, I also think it, the coaching search really played a part in this. Um, we highlighted last episode, Joe Moorhead is fired. And I mentioned that Gene Chizik was a real candidate for this. Well, um, when this when the last episode came out, you know, today, I guess we're recording on the 6th. And when this comes out, it'll be yesterday. Gene Chizik interviewed for the job um, this past weekend and officially today removed himself as a candidate from the job. Well, you've heard who the like, their main like who they're focusing yeah. in on now, right? Joe, Joe Judge for the Patriots. That, are they just calling anybody? I mean, is that I don't know. That's I like the hire. I mean, if you're going to get someone, at least go to the Patriots, right? They haven't hired him yet, though. That's the thing. That's I know, just, but like, that's at least target. At least they're shooting for the fences. So yeah, but okay. Thought- so Joe Judge is the Patriots' special teams coach. <laughs> what you're going with a special teams minded coach? Mississippi State, is that your best move? Well, that's not the only option. So they've also, you know, have talked to um, Alabama's offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian. I think that would be a terrible hire. 
not leaving. Um, they talked to Air Force coach Troy Calhoun. Also, I don't like that hire much at all. Uh, they talked to Todd Grantham, which I think would be the best hire. That's Florida's defensive coordinator, who was the defensive coordinator when Dan Mullen was at Mississippi State, and he followed Dan Mullen to Florida. If they get Todd Grantham to come back, that would be a huge pickup for Mississippi State. Well, yeah, and if you remember, I mean – when Mississippi State was, and it's hard to it's hard to believe that just what was it, it was five seasons ago, they were number one in the nation, and yep. and I think in the first ever uh, playoff, first ever playoff rankings, I think they were number one. They so, were, yeah. So, to, I mean, and this guy was there then. Dan Mullen was there then, um, and their defense was incredible. So, if you get this guy back, that's an absolute huge move. That is by far my favorite choice for this job. I don't think that he's going to go. I don't either. I think it's going to end up being Joe Judge, um, which crazy. But, I mean, I guess yeah. he's coming from and the Patriots, but whatever. They're also talking to the Army coach, Jeff Munkin, which I think is a weird <clears throat> hire. I mean, he did have Army really, really good the past two years. This year they kind of fell off. But I just – you know, you don't see a lot of these um, service, you know, coaches leaving uh, – very often for other jobs um and if they do they they've had mixed success but I think it's an odd hire I think it would bring a little bit of stability to Mississippi State we've heard a lot of discipline problems um coming out of Mississippi State and I don't think that would happen with Jeff Munkin as the head coach I don't think it would happen with you know Grantham either even though Grantham is at Florida which I don't know the history of Florida I don't think it would happen with Joe Judge as the coach I mean coming from the Patriots organization if I mean if you can bring if he does and and I know he played at Mississippi State and so that's why they're targeting him Um, if they can bring a little bit of that Patriots organization to Mississippi State that would be great Uh, I mean I mean look at what Matt Patricia has been doing with the Lions I understand he's there he's not they haven't done absolutely amazing but you can tell the difference in that locker room. You can tell the discipline that he's brought. Well, look at uh, Mike Mike Frable, who was a player for the Patriots, who just c- got done beating the Patriots with the Titans. I'm t- Huge. I mean, so, I mean, those are obviously, you know, I'd like to see Grantham come back. Joe Judge isn't an awful pick. You know, I want, I want to mess with it. I want to mess around with that a little bit just because he's a special teams coach, and I think that's hilarious. Um I don't know. It's just this Mississippi State program needs to because I know they're they're not going to get someone that they need. They're going to end up getting somebody that they don't need, and they're going to be a garbage fire. Yep. Prove me wrong. That's what I'd I'd love to see them prove me wrong, but I don't think they will. No, that they definitely will not. But yeah, and the common theme is high character coaches that run high character programs. I like I like their list. I think Todd Grantham should be their number one, but like you said, I think they'll get you know the Patriots coach, and I think we'll see. I mean, Mississippi State has some potential. I just I think the expectations need to be reset because you can't expect to have Dak Prescott and be the number one team in the country coaching at Mississippi State. Uh, right. If you get nine and three in a bowl game and finish second or third in the SEC, that's that's a hell of a season. Absolutely, I agree with you. Uh, so that is our episode for today. Um, we want to go ahead and put out another quick recap because we've covered, I mean, we've covered so many bowl games. Uh, so we had to put out as much as we could. Uh, I think we'll be back tomorrow. Is that right, Zach? We will. We'll be yeah. back tomorrow and then Thursday. So we've got four episodes coming out this week. Uh, obviously tomorrow is going to be our final recap of the season. Uh, Thursday is going to be our preview of the national championship. Uh, and who knows? I mean, knowing us, 
just over these past few weeks during bowl season, we've put out so many episodes. We very well might put out more than one preview episode for this LSU Clemson game because it's just that big and there's so much to talk about. Um, <clears throat> so make sure you tune into those. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, uh, follow us on social media. Be, be sure to vote in these polls because the Bammers are taking over. Um, if you're a Bammer, that's my bad. I didn't mean to say Bammer. I meant to say Alabama fan, uh, but they are taking over. Go read the comments. Go look at the polls. Do what you need to do. Uh, vote for who you think is the best. Don't vote for name recognition, even though that's kind of my strong suit. That's true. You see, we, we don't post the polls till a little bit after the episode come comes out. So listen to the stats, do, do some research, vote for who y'all think. We take y'all's opinion seriously. We already dropped the Blue Bloods All-Decade Defensive Team on social media. Go check that out. We put a lot of work into that graphic to roll that out. Uh, so shout out to you guys for interacting. But our Instagram is at the underscore Blue Bloods. Facebook, it is at the Blue Bloods pod. And Twitter, it is at the underscore, underscore Blue Bloods. Um, Scout's really getting to me. It is. It is. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your girlfriends. Tell your parents. Tell your cousins. Tell people you don't like. Even if you hate someone, tell them about the podcast. It might brighten their day. Um, yeah, we're going to keep bringing y'all lots of content, man. The season's almost over, but the content will not stop. No, we've got a lot more to do. Uh, I know that I said I would probably spiral in the off season. I won't. We're going to stay busy. We've got – we have so many plans. It's not – I mean, it's not even funny, really. It's it's going to be good for, for me. I keep myself occupied. It'll be good for you guys because you get this quality content. You know how much you love this. Um, but, yeah, uh, stay tuned. We'll have another episode coming out tomorrow, the next day, and maybe some more before the national championship. But uh, until then, we're out.
that it was at like 11 o'clock today, by the way. Oh, I really? You, I need you to know that. I'm upset with you. <laughs> oh, because I use Eastern Top. That's right. And, yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs>